Hey, y'all, and welcome to episode 19. See? Consistency. This week, Tykeen and I update you on the recent Betsy DeVos nomination to the U.S. Department of Education and highlight the potential, now current, appointment of Jeff Sessions to be the United States Attorney General. However, as we promised, enough of the political. It's Black History Month, and we got to do it for the culture. We extensively cover the life and legacy of none other than Madam C.J. Walker and discuss her journey to becoming America's first African-American female millionaire. You'll learn plenty you didn't know before. We promise. All right, let's eat. Because of you, Danielle, I was in iMessage jail for 24 hours. I don't understand this concept of iMessage jail. You you like mentioned it before. You didn't explain it. You were just like, I'm in iMessage jail. And I was like, okay. And then I let you live your life. Yeah, I couldn't send iMessages for 24 hours. I don't even understand how that's possible. Like, I, is that I, something that Apple did or your yeah. friends were just tired of getting your text messages? No. In that case? Apple blocked my iMessage for 24 hours because I sent, no. yeah, I sent out uh, I sent out a bunch of text messages the other day about ain't no free lunch. So what does that have to do with me? Because I thought this was a team effort. And I only made it through half of my phone book, and then Apple shut me down. The only reason I knew I was getting messages because they were coming in on my watch, but they would never come in on my phone. So that's why I was using like almost T9 when I was responding to you the other night. Because I wasn't getting uh, messages on my phone. I don't even understand. And this is the thing. You don't delete phone numbers. Like you keep contacts for forever. So you got through half your phone? Yeah. I think I sent like, I I sent a bunch of them out. And a few people said, oh, I don't know who you are. I was like, oh, that's fine. You can still listen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm weak. I don't think I've ever sent that many text messages before. Are, about you, are you saying you don't have friends? Oh, I have plenty of friends. I just delete some of them. Oh. Some people like if I feel I delete I delete like i messages. I delete everything. I go through every couple months and I'm like I haven't talked to this person in months. Delete, which is not me being like. I feel like a lot of people go through that because you know they're being petty or they're you know new year new me. It's just. I still rock the iPhone 5S and I'm always like two iPhones behind because of the way, you know, my life is set up and my teacher pay is set up. So everybody else has all this space (laughs) and I genuinely don't. So, I mean, it is what it is. If I don't talk to you very frequently, you're going to get deleted. So So for Valentine's Day, someone should buy you an iPhone? No, because I'm an independent woman. I E N D P. I said I E. I can't even spell. That's wow. And, <laughs> and she's teaching our children. Wow. I'm teaching them history, not spelling. But I know how to spell independent. I promise. Speaking Either of, way, did I don't you, need anybody to pay for it. Did you see all the misspelled words in Trump's executive order? Donald Trump. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he is not fully literate. Mm. Which. Literacy for someone to be illiterate is not funny, you know, it's a tragedy. But for him, I feel like he just probably pays people to read to him. Mm. 
Spe- speaking of literacy and and people learning to read, I see your homegirl Betsy DeVos got uh, appointed as Secretary of Education. No comment. What do you mean, no comment? No comment. Wow, Danielle's speechless. It doesn't happen very often. But I'm just going to say that if Betsy DeVos can run the Ed- Department of Education of the United States of America, I am now qualified to do pretty much any job there is, period. Why do you say that? I mean, if she's qualified for that job, what then makes- that means I'm qualified for everything else because she wasn't qualified at all. So therefore, I shouldn't have to fill out another job application for the rest of my life. So what what would you say makes one qualified for that job? Well, I mean, she didn't even know the difference between pers- proficiency and growth, which is a basic tenement of education. She never attended a public school. None of her children ever attended a public school. She has never led something that's that big, nor is she fundamentally, does she have a fundamental understanding of our federal loan program, nor has she even taken out a loan up on her own. She's never sat back, sat behind a classroom desk. She's never been an administrator. I'm just wondering at what point does that p- position, you know, the position of overseeing part U.S. Department of Education require you to have done something involving education at all, aside from, you know, donating money? Yeah, so I kind of, um, I think I'm a Stallone dissenter. In this group chat of like 60 people this week. Well, yesterday to be exact. Because people act like they were devastated that DeVos was appointed or confirmed. And there are definitely some issues with DeVos. I care about the children. I also care about the grizzly bears. Oh my gosh. Get off. You can see yourself out. I'm over you already. But um, there but, will be applications out for a new uh, co-host for Ain't No Free Lunch. No, but but hear me out. Like I think that the resistance to DeVos was one of the most elitist and sexist things that, that I ever seen. We talked about in the past about picking battles that we can win and really building momentum. And I thought that there are three men that will waltz in, one of them already has, into their new roles. And they will be more impactful in our day-to-day lives. And that's Ben Carson, Jeff Sessions, and Price. But that's I mean, that's great for you. It she directly because my chosen field is education. But she but, is my focus. But we know the US Department of Education has little impact on Little impact is not no impact. And so because but, but, because that is my chosen field, that is something that I feel the most passionate about, especially when it comes down to funding that we need. I'm going to focus on Betsy DeVos. I understand that the U.S. Department of Education does not have the largest impact on schools the, but it the does only, have an impact the only reason that it got any traction on resisting betsy devos was because of the unions okay one the day that betsy devos was nominated i texted you and i told you that this was an issue so you can't say that it's just because of the unions that's educators, for you you just said that you just are say- part of the union okay they make up the union Individuals make up unions. 
had issues from day one. Why did this get momentum, Danielle? L listen, this is the because thing. Because she was unqualified. Because she was unqualified. So has so Ben Carson. So has Ben Carson. Okay. He's already confirmed. You, like, you like there was no resistance at all to Ben Carson. You can't tell people where to place their rage. You're you right. You can't play that politics. You're right, but I think that you we should, should be, we should one. really be learning from things, and I feel like we don't learn anything from our past failures. I've always been resistant to Ben Carson. I feel right. like health, housing, health, and public safety are should be our priorities. Not saying that education isn't a priority. What I'm saying is that no local. You're saying it was sexist that people got upset with Betsy DeVos. Yes, it was. Okay. And not to mention, You're like... telling people where to place their rage. I'm not telling people where you to are. place their rage. You really are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so, Daniel, what are your thoughts about Republicans in the House yesterday proposing legislation to shut down the U.S. Department of Education December 31, 2018? I don't think about it. Oh, you don't think about it? Did you read the bill at all? It's only one page. Basically, they were saying that education should be determined uh, by which the way it is in Virginia, our state government and local agencies, and that there's really no role for the U.S. Department of Education. So were you resistant to Arnie Duncan any? I don't think I was paying attention okay. enough during that time period. I'm going to be very honest. I know Arnie Duncan didn't have any education experience. And once I found that out, I was resistant. But prior to his nomination, I was not. I was just trying to make it through my freshman year of college. And so that was an oversight on my part. Oh, so we're making and excuses because had. of your age now? Did I say anything about how old uh, I was? I, I was asking did you a I, question. Did I say anything about how old I was at any point? Anybody could be working their way first day, you know, their first year of college at any age. So now you're being ageist about who and where people <laughs> are when they have their first week of college. Don't come for me. Oh, you're being a victim today, huh? I'm not being a victim. I'm just telling you. And I can't even say that was an oversight on my part without you coming for me. But so I guess me asking a question is So you probably think that they the the US um Department of Education should be dissolved. No, I'm not saying that. But it's not that important of a role to care about who's placed in in that position. I didn't say we shouldn't care, but I think that we should have the same vigor with resisting like someone like Jeff Sessions, which he's going to waltz in there and we're just like, oh, well, like and Jeff Sessions has a more direct impact on our life day to day than Betsy DeVos ever. Would. I don't know who your friends are, but my friends are just as upset about Jeff Sessions, uh, it, um, Jeff Sessions as they are Betsy DeVos. Uh, I can't say my friends are. I'm trying to get them to that point. I think that when I watched even just her confirmation and her not having basic understanding, because because this is the difference, I think, in a lot of ways between Jeff Sessions and Betsy DeVos. I think both of them are unfit for the position. But Jeff Sessions has some deplorable views. Yes. Betsy DeVos doesn't even really know what her views are. She doesn't really understand education public education period there were so many questions when asked she didn't even know what they were talking about yeah she said she got confused 
And I'm I'm a huge feminist. And do I think that there's sexism that that went into Betsy DeVos, like people being upset with her? Yes, okay. of course. I'm glad but, you can admit that now. Not saying I'm saying the difference between the confirmation is you have someone who is unqualified because of his views, not because he's actually unqualified. Basically, you're saying that DeVos, in your mind, she's not even eligible for that role. No. That, that was my frustration. She shouldn't have even been eligible for this position. Okay. So we 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 can sing at the same time. We can't talk at the same time. I think I was talking. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. But I thought you asked me a question and I and I answered it. But I was just wondering. But with Sessions, you think that he's not suitable for the position. Yes. Okay. All right. Speaking of sessions, last night, uh Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts read a letter that was written in 1986 by Mrs. Coretta Scott King. Say her name. Don't roll your eyes, Danielle. In 1986, Mrs. Scott King wrote a letter to the U.S. Senate saying that Sessions wasn't suitable to be a federal judge because of some of the stances and things that he said over the years. And so subsequently, the Senate did not confirm him as a federal judge. So last night, Senator Warren was reading that le- that letter that was written to Strom Thurmond back in 1986. And Mitch McConnell told her, no, long story short, he silenced her. And then there was a vote taken to silence her through the rest of this confirmation hearing for Jeff Sessions. Because he attempted to stop her, I feel like more people have read the letter than would have read the letter otherwise. Because yeah. then it was all over the news because it was this ex- this heated exchange between the two of them, and that was you know it gave the news cycle something to feed on, and they picked it up. It was, yeah, and he said something to the effect of like you've been warned, but you persisted. She said, "Well, this is what he said after the confrontation was: she was warned, she was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted, which is also amazing because now." She That's should write. A, she should write a book with that. Like, it should just be entitled "She Persisted," and people yeah. have just run rampant with this because what they're saying is she persisted, and they're you know attaching it to all sorts of amazing women throughout history. She persisted. Yeah, you know? well-behaved women never make history. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get me a T-shirt that says "She Persisted." Oh, you're cool with T-shirts? Maybe the Democratic Party should send you a link. They better not send me a link. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I probably will get one <laughs> in the next 12 hours. Don't get me started on that today. Please don't. I freaking I check my email and guess what? There's a t-shirt there. Nevertheless, she persisted. For real? You're lying. I swear. Send me the link so I can cop mine. You need to email them back and tell them we need an action plan, though. <laughs> no one talks about Benjamin Batica, a brilliant black man that has been to the almanac. Can't you see what KRS is coming at? With Eli Whitney, Holly Selassie, Grand Bill Woods made the walkie-talkie. Louis Latterman improved on Edison. Charles Drew did a lot for medicine. Garrett Morgan made the traffic lights. Harriet Tubman freed the slaves at night. Madam C.J. Walker made the straightening comb. But you won't know this if you weren't shown. The point I'm getting at, it might be harsh, is we're just walking speaking of women that persisted today we have the pleasure of discussing madam cj walker 
Madam CJ Walker. So it is Black History Month. You know we have to do it for the culture. Exactly. So we decided that for our episode, we were definitely, definitely, we had to kind of do a little bit of a case study on an amazing black woman throughout history that I feel like we know, but we also don't really know. And so when we were deciding on who we wanted, (laughs) who we wanted to highlight for this Black History Month, you know, it's, you know, 365 days black, you know, my black is beautiful, all, all those, all of that, black girl magic. We, more so I. I'm about to say, watch how you liberally use that we. <laughs> I decided that we should do none other than Coop's own personal hero, Madam C.J. Walker. Tell him why you love her, Coop. Tell us why you love her. You see, if you don't water it, it won't grow. So, uh, yeah. So, He's so, trying to finesse it. Honestly, Danielle sent me a list of like seven people. I did that we uh, would consider highlighting in this week's episode. I did, and so she said, "How about you choose four that you definitely don't want to discuss?" And I think I chose five. That well, there was four. Then there was one with a caveat who is still living, and I said. If he's willing to come on the show, you know, I'd be happy to kind of talk about his story. Then there was one from the crib, but Danielle just took it upon herself to like use as as an excuse to say, oh, since you don't want to follow directions, I have something for you. And especially since you don't like natural hair, which let's be clear. Let's be clear. I love natural hair. (laughs) You don't want me to come with the receipts, but that's okay. I love natural hair. But I really appreciate all that Madam C.J. Walker has did, has done. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk about her like she's still here, like Trump does. <laughs> For Frederick Douglass. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, her legacy does live on. Definitely. Basically, I decided, you know, as a continuation of the discussion that we were having, that healthy discussion last week when Coop came for my Afro puff, which today I have a Afro puff bun. I don't think I've straightened my hair in over a year. No, I know I haven't straightened my hair in well over a year. And I don't see any problem with it. He's really faking the funk, but that's okay. I won't slander your name. Whatever image that you would like to portray, Tyking. I will allow you to do so because I am supportive. I am supporting you. And I support you and everything that you do with your hair. <laughs> okay. Most of, okay, so most of us know Madam CJ Walker as this world renowned entrepreneur. But what I, I guess I didn't really realize until we started like looking into her or, you know, investigating more about her was that she was a huge philanthropist and social activist, which I thought was so dope. Especially considering the era that that she was living. But you put this in perspective. This lady was born two years after slavery. In 1867. Right. And she, a self-made millionaire. And I I believe she's the first 
female millionaire in the world that didn't inherit money. I'm not sure about those details, but I know she was like a huge deal. I know she was the first black female millionaire in the United States, but she, I mean, she most definitely might've been. She was born not CJ Walker. Actually the, the initial C and J and then her last name Walker, none of the, none of those were like what she was born with. She was born uh, with the name Sarah Breedlove uh, right around Christmas time. Uh, like like Coop said, two days at two not two days. Oh, two days before Christmas and two years after slavery. Thank you. December twenty third, eighteen sixty seven. Right, and she was born in New York, and she was one of five siblings. Or I think she had she, she had she was siblings. one of six. She was one of she was six. One of six, and then she was the first child of her parents that were born into freedom. Right. And her life, one of the things that I, I guess, sometimes struggle with is I always assume that people become successful and they become successful like really, really fast. And it it just happens and it takes off. And by the time you're 25, you're supposed to be a millionaire. But that's not really the way that her life kind of went out. And, and No one does it that way. <laughs> well, I know. But I guess, you know, you see all the movies and stuff and that just becomes your idea of what's it supposed to be. But for her... I mean, and given the time period, it's expected as a black woman to born two years after slavery ended, that life was a struggle. Yeah, they were still like, sharecropping. Uh, she was married at 14, a mother at 17, and widowed at 20. Like, life happened fast. Life comes at you fast. Fast. And so her first husband died. It is my understanding that she... Uh, Married was again. married three times. Yeah. She married again. I'm not sure the details of that marriage, but I know that she was married a third time, and that's where she got her name. She was married to a Mr. Charles Joseph Walker, C.J. Walker, but he was addressed as Mr. Charles Joseph Walker, and she was addressed as Madam C.J. Walker, which is where we kind of get this, this persona. Yeah, and so it was interesting for me that considering his background, like how their business really took off together because they, um, you know, he was like a newspaper salesman. I think he sold advertisements or something for the newspaper, but she was really the brains behind this business, which I, I really appreciated. It just the more that I looked into her and I'm the more I looked into her life, the more I realized that she was just like a super phenomenal woman. When she like before she got married, I believe the second time when she was around the age 17, 20, right when her husband died, she went to work as a laundress. And for the longest time, she wasn't even making more than a dollar a day, but she was attempting to give her daughter a better life. Yeah. And so the thing that really stands out for me there is that, you know, we always hear she was the first female millionaire self-made millionaire in america no one ever says it will be the equivalent of a millionaire today like she was actually a millionaire oh. before 1920 and right. i mean you just think about that 30 years before that she wasn't making 365 dollars a year and now she's a millionaire wow which is, it, it really speaks to her fortitude. It speaks to, like, who she is as, as a person. And it just speaks to, the, I guess, the indomitable, like, will and 
perseverance of black women during that time period. There was never a point from my understanding that she wholly relied on someone else and particularly like wholly relied on a man, which during that time period was very unusual. You made your living or you had stability through a husband. Right. Yeah. And so something that was interesting for me, because I've always heard that, you know, I mean, even we have the Maggie Walker school in Richmond. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always heard that, like, Madam C.J. Walker, she made her money from hair products and really never like researched it further. But apparently it was common in the late 1800s uh, for black women to have serious scalp issues, severe dandruff, skin disorders of the head that sometimes led to baldness because of lie. So is lie still in like, do they still have lie and perms today? Yeah, Um, it's it's probably like that. I mean, even from what I've understood from my hairdresser, it's, you know, everything that says like no lie on it, it's still like chemical processing. And so because they had the combination of using lye in the soaps they use, shampoos and detergent for washing clothes, and then also, you know, cleanliness issues of living during that time period outside bathrooms, outside, you know, toilets, yada, yada, yada. It was incredibly damaging to your hair. But today, we still do have lye in a lot of the things that we use. It's just under the label sodium hydroxide or potassium hydroxide. So if you flip your, you know, you turn around your product and you see sodium hydroxide on it, know that you're putting lye on your body. Mm. And so she, like a lot of other black women during that time period, had issues with baldness and so she started investigating I guess what she could do and she got her interest in hair care from what I've read from her brothers because she had brothers that were barbers living in Missouri yeah so in the words of Chris Neal um, Madam CJ Walker created these products so she didn't have to go to the barber shop (laughs) why are you rolling your eyes (laughs) Because women have places in the barbershop as well. Thank you. We can get a nice, clean cut, a shape up. Okay, our hair does not have to be whatever. Maybe I want my edges right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I support you if that's what you want to do. I don't know why you're looking at me like you're trying to become confrontational. I'm not trying to become confrontational. I'm trying to figure out why you're trying to put on a show for the people. I'm not. If people Mm. want to be natural, they they should be natural. Women can do Mm. whatever they want to do. I'm tired of men trying to tell women how they should look. (laughs) If you guys would know how funny this is, because literally every time Coop sees me, he has to say something about my hair. Either it looks good or what you got going on today, green? What you doing today? Couldn't find a brush? Huh? That doesn't mean anything. I'm just I'm just asking a question. Right. Exactly. I was just I was just trying to figure out where the new and improved coop came from. I'm I'm glad that he's here. I hope he stays around. You know, once upon a time in my younger years, mm-hmm. I had some ignorant thoughts and I had some preferences for myself. Mm-hmm. But had? Yes, had. But as I've grown and matured and become a learned man, I, I've grown to learn that 
it's not my place as a man to tell a woman how she should or should not look. You know, yes, I can have my preferences. And Danielle, sometimes, you know, even your mom said, Dan, I, I, I know not today. So, you know, I just ask, you know, I, I, I just want to make sure I'm trying to help you get married out here. Uh, and I want to make sure that you, you know, first impressions last a, a long, long time. So I like to, as long as my hair is healthy. Yeah. That's my concern. And Madam CJ Walker has helped me with this healthy, you know, this healthy journey. How long have you been natural now? Uh, since I was 11, 12. Sheesh. What's that? 20 years? A very, who is 32? Oh, I stand corrected. <laughs> I stand correct. You know, I, I'm natural too. I don't put anything on my hair. Except for juices and berries. God damn, boy, what's that? Some kind of weed or something? It is my natural hair. I have been growing it since birth. Oh shit, what kind of chemical you got in there? I have put no chemicals, only juices and berries. <laughs> shit, that ain't nothing but ultra firm. Tell me how you want me to cut this. So, for, for me, my process, I guess. And then we're going to have to go back to Walker because there's some really cool things that she's done. But I stopped. My mom put a perm in my hair probably when I was in the fifth grade. She kept it in for a year. And then she was like, oh, no. And so she started growing my hair out. I have stopped using a I started wearing it like the way that it grows out of my head. Mm. probably since the end of college in and out between flat ironing it. But between when I got the perm out of my hair, when I was 11 to roughly about, yeah, maybe my sophomore year of college, I just straightened it every day. Mm. Well, not every day. I straightened it like every two weeks and, but it was straight every day. So I started wearing it the way that it came out of my head, probably, off and on between junior and senior year. We celebrate. We celebrate you. You should. It's Black History Month. But anyway, actually, back to Madam C.J. Walker. Some of the cool things is she began to develop her own product line by selling another person's products. So I don't know if there was like. So the other person was to plug. Yeah, I mean, actually, that it's it's Annie Turnbull Malone's Poro company, and that actually ended up being her biggest competition. Right. So she just kind of like learned the tricks of the trade by selling the products, which I personally would have liked during, like I said, between junior and senior year of college, because when you start when you start wearing your hair the way it grows out of your head, you realize you don't know what to do with it. Mm. You don't know what to put on it. You don't know how to, like, you don't know anything about it. And I feel like Madam C.J. Walker, she had that, you know, time period where she could learn to grow. But when you first stop straightening your hair and wearing it consistently, how it grows out of your head, you're going to have some struggle moments, weeks, possibly a struggle year as you try to figure out what products work for your hair it is hard oh okay all right so how how did you find yourself i mean i'm still i'm still doing it i still, oh, have, my rough, okay. I still have my rough days so you know every time you ask me what i'm doing with my hair i don't always have have an answer because i might not know <laughs> what it is that i'm doing with my hair that day it just is 
And you, you know, people got to give you the space to learn and to uh, properly groom thyself. Mm. It's it's a little bit of a little bit of a struggle, but I got a handle on it. Most days, I want to say seven out of ten days, maybe six point five out of ten days, my hair is it. It's lit, popping. Getting back to Madam C.J. Walker, because this is not about Danielle at all. Oh, my. Didn't you ask me a question? So she started <laughs> selling products door to door, and then she turned over to a mail order operation. Um, and then she eventually moved from Pittsburgh to Denver. But can you imagine in 1911 mailing money off for a product and then getting it back in the mail like can you imagine it like trusting it yeah trusting it and trusting a black woman to do it i mean well yeah i always trust black women because that's just like my yeah i mean not that but i'm just saying that the general public right i don't think i don't know if the general public was i think it was just black girls that were getting her products I think it was just black women. I mean, I'm sure there were other people, but I still send my electric bill through the mail, so I got a little bit of stress. I mean, do you... That's something that I didn't learn in my research and preparing for this, but I wonder how much crossover appeal did Madam C.J. Walker have? I'm sure that she didn't build her business exclusively with black women. We got buying power. Sure, but not in 1911. Maybe not. But I mean, th- that's one reason why she's an anomaly today. But black women and having money that they could spend on something that some people probably identify as frivolous as hair products. I, I mean, we de- I mean, it it might be frivolous to you, but I, you know, I, essential no, grooming I is not. frivolous. No, I didn't say to me. I said that some like we have to put in perspective. This is 19 early 1900s. Yeah, but d- just because it's the early 1900s, people want to walk around bald? I wouldn't say bald, but some people are like, why do you need that? Because it's about proper grooming for yourself. Presentation during that time period. Daniel. Presentation still to this day Danielle, is free. You don't have to convince me. I'm talking about their significant others that was the that, that were probably the breadwinners or the sole provider in that family. We'll have to do some research on that because I don't see black women as just sitting at home being homemakers because for the longest time, we've been nannying, doing laundry. We've been cooking and cleaning for other people's homes. A lot of white people were not taking care of their own children at this time period. Yeah, I mean, we were still, during this time period, we were still sharecropping and such, but people didn't have a significant amount of excess funds. There are tons of people who don't have significant amounts of excess funds. That doesn't mean they don't find a way to to pay for things that are important to them. Okay. That's all I'm saying. And so I don't find it unbelievable that she could have built a business off of majority dollars from black women because it's at the up until that point there had been no consistent method or products that were geared specifically towards helping black women so at the height of her career 
Walker employed several thousand women as sales agents for her products and trained well over 20,000 women, which was mind blowing for me. Yeah, I think for me along those those same lines, what was really mind blowing for me was she didn't start to market. And this was going back to me talking about how like I've been fooled by television to think that you're supposed to be a millionaire by 25. She didn't start to market her business until she was 39 years old. So for everybody out here still thinking they're a late bloomer, you could be 39 years old, start a business and employ several thousand people to get where it is that you need. I mean, to to get your business off the ground. And back to your earlier point when you were talking about how uh, Mr. Charles Joseph, her husband, Walker, they definitely had... I feel like an incredibly important partnership in helping create this like business the way that it did because he focused, I think you said, was it advertisements? Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. And so at that time, like you were saying, can you imagine sending money through the mail? That's how you made bread, you know, advertising the little pictures and the black and white. And it's just, to me, I feel like, it was just literally a match made in he- in heaven. Like she had bases in Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, New York City's Harlem, everywhere. Yeah. And so something that I found very interesting, her products, her shampoo, hair growth pomade, heavy brush, and uh, the good old iron comb, which, mm-hmm. you know, basically that hot comb. <laughs> <laughs> Which she did not invent the hot comb, but she she included it in her regimen. I want to just make that clarification. But these things, her business wasn't limited to the United to the continental United States or to the United States. Which but is- but it was found like throughout the diaspora. So Cuba, Jamaica, Haiti, Panama, Costa Rica. Which once again, it's just kind of like man, like you put these th- you put this in perspective at this time. I mean. If we go to countries today, we might not be allowed to come back in right now, right? <laughs> you know, in 1911, could you imagine she saying, oh, I'm going to this country and I'm going to come back? Or, wow. Yeah. And, like, actually doing business there? Yeah, man, that that was that was impressive to me. Yeah, I think I always... I always knew that she was a millionaire, right? I always knew that she made her fortune off of hair products. But I never realized, I guess I never put the pieces together about what it would take for her to do something like that. Like for her to have this, it was an empire. Yeah. And so, but the the greatest thing for me about Madam C.J. Walker was not just that like, she built this empire, but then what she did once she built the empire. Oh, I mean, yeah. do you agree? Yeah, well, I don't know exactly what... I can tell you what I think was the most impressive thing, but go ahead and tell me what you think. I just... Just like the way that she continuously gave back to her community. So this is the part that I was talking about before. I knew she was an entrepreneur, but I had no idea that she was a social activist. Right. I had no idea she was a political activist. I had no idea she was a philanthropist. Like all of these things are kind of buried down in her narrative, which I think are the most important parts of her narrative. Like she not only had a passion for helping other black women learn to budget and build their own business. Yeah, like she was a business consultant. Before it was popular. 
Right. She had a training, like a, a training facility for women to come in and to learn how to build their own businesses so that they could be financially independent. She was she the did, plug. <laughs> yeah, she really was. I mean, she built YMCAs in different black communities. She was, you know, tossing out $1,000 pledges to to building funds, contributing scholarships to all sorts of colleges, but you know, Bethune-Cookman University, Tuskegee Institute. She was just, you know, making it rain on everybody. And I just, I loved that about her. And I think that's something that needs to be more prominent, just how much she gave back. Yeah. And, you know, I found, I found this quote and I'll read it. She said, I am a woman who came from the cotton fields of the South from there, I was promoted to the wash tub. From there, I was promoted to the cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. I have built my own factory on my own ground. End quote. That was just profound for me because in that short quote, she gives us a synopsis of her life. And, you know, like she she had these small incremental promotions is what she called them promotions are what she called them but then she she talked about essentially she persisted nevertheless she persisted and she created her own way because she didn't follow the rules because she didn't wait her turn because she wasn't well behaved and shut her mouth and you know she made history and because of that we are celebrating her today I echo your sentiments. I think that we're doing her a disservice by just saying, oh, you know, she made these products. Like, I think we should always go a little bit further and really tell her story. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think it's a discredit to her. And I mean, even even like her phrasing of the quote that you that you said, like she said, I was promoted a couple of times. Right. And then when it came to how she got to where she is, she said, I promoted myself. Like she, like you said, she didn't wait for anybody. Like the level of self-efficacy that this required is something that I feel like should be a huge part of her legacy. Not only did she donate money and mind you, she has, not only did she donate money, but she was delivering lectures on political, social issues, economic issues powered by so many different in, like institutions. It wasn't like she was just like throwing money at issues, which I think we also have a problem of. And today it was she was trying to actively organize people behind what she was throwing her money, where she was throwing her money. Yeah. And so... Something else that that really stood out for me, I didn't read anywhere about Madam C.J. Walker having a formal education. I did not either. It wasn't like they didn't they they said she didn't have it, but nobody discussed it. Right. But she was a a huge supporter and a huge advocate of education. Um, And so I guess that's something that wasn't exactly uncommon at that time. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think think that it speaks volumes about her overcoming these obstacles, right? Because right. you know, in certain rooms in America, you won't get in if you don't have education, right? But she still created her own way, and so maybe that's like 
maybe that's one of the benefits of her marriage. And, you know, you talked about it being almost divine and how they work together. Maybe, you know, he kind of helped her get some acceptance, uh, you know, with some of these things. But I'm really, really impressed with the work that she did. Yeah, I I mean, they definitely work together. I do want to put a lot of the the onus of the work on on her shoulders, though. Yeah. But like she was like you said, she was just doing amazing things. She organized or she helped to organize as a part of the New York chapter of the NAACP, the silent protest parade in New York City to protest a riot in St. Louis that killed 39 black people. She or she helped organize a protest that drew 8,000 people. Yeah. B- before Facebook, no, no text media. messages. Yeah. No text <laughs> messages. No really for real phone calls. She was, she was instrumental in dim in, in, in a huge demonstration in New York. Not only that, I wonder how many people were in New York at the time. Like how many black folk were in New York in 19, you know, in 1917 when yeah, she had this. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see like what the percentage of the population participated or who came from outside of New York. Yeah. Jeff Sessions confirmed, by the way. Yeah, no, I saw on my phone. I was trying to ignore it. Ugh. But anyway, back to happier times because Madam C.J. Walker just makes me happy. She also helped preserve Frederick Douglass's house, which I'm sure this is a fact that Donald Trump doesn't know. Oh, I, I thought Frederick Douglass was still alive. According to Donald Trump, his contributions to society are it's getting are getting more like are getting more and more recognized. Mm-hmm. But like he's still those, contributing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so for those of us who live in reality, we know that Frederick Douglass has long since passed. Uh, but she had the largest single contribution to help preserve his house after his death yeah and 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 that contribution was like 99 years ago (laughs) right (laughs) and so she pledged five thousand dollars which when i went in and did like the inflation calculator that's just under eighty thousand dollars to preserve his house oh wait 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 no 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 that five thousand dollars was i thought to the naacp's anti-lynching fund yeah i got it confused either way she made the largest individual contribution, but then she donated, my fault, $80,000 to the NAACP's anti-lynching fund, which is a huge deal during that per- time period. You know, like Ida B. Wells, a tons of people were kind of from the ground up trying to destroy lynching's legitimacy within the United States of America because during this time period we know how easily it easy it was for somebody to be lynched and not just black people they were lynching everybody back then majority black people I want to take that away a vast majority of the people who were being lynched were definitely black but that's that's sticking your neck out you know what I mean like I'm taking an active stance against this Yeah, and so something else that I thought was really iconic was the fact that she donated, uh, She, in her will, she said that two-thirds of her future net profits of her estate had to be donated to charity. So that I think that's another testament to her willingness to give back. And continue giving. Right. Like, this is, I mean, she dedicated a good amount a good amount of money like at the time of her death she was worth so much money 
And she decided that this was something that she was going to dedicate to. Now, she did have a daughter, and her daughter, I believe, passed away before Madam C.J. Walker passed. So that's also, it makes sense why she would donate such a, a large amount to, uh, to charity. But she had been such a philan- um, philanthropist. I was, say, I was about to say a philanthropist. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> such a philanthropist <laughs> up to this point that I'm – I'm convinced that she would have still donated that after the fact. And I just, I feel like for me, I was excited to to delve into who she was, but I was also just saddened that there was just so much about her that I didn't even know. Like you want to talk quotables, something that it's super pertinent that it was a quote from Madam CJ Walker is and I quote, this is the greatest country under the sun, mm. but we must not let our love of country, our patriotic loyalty cause us to abate one within our protest against wrong and injustice. Someone needs to, you know, I'm, I'm going to tweet that to your president today. Because, and, and that's, I think that's a little bit of, of my frustration is that so many people just want to relegate her to hair products. Right. Which, I mean, it's amazing. She did an amazing thing for a lot of people. Like, it was a priority of hers that people take, her people, black people, take greater pride in their personal appearance and give their hair proper attention. But she was so much more than that. And you want to talk sexism? I think that's, there's something that's inladen in that. You know, women, we only care about our hair. She donated so much money. She was involved in so much social activism and protest and so many other things. But the only thing that most people know about Madam CJ Walker, if you ask her, ask them is, oh, she sold hair products. Not that she was a millionaire, a self-made millionaire. Not that she went through so many trials and tribulations, married at 14. Like I said, a mother at 17, widowed at 20, went on by 39, was first starting her business, which was a international business with multiple bases. I don't know. She's just amazing. And I want to hang her picture up in my room. Yeah. Now that I know all and, and so since you gave a quote, I did want to read one quote. Um, she said, I am not satisfied making money for myself. I endeavor to provide employment for hundreds of the women of my race. So Madam C.J. Walker saw herself as the plug. Like she is, she was the plug. What yeah, like it. It wasn't just about her, and that was commendable. Yeah. So this episode was a little bit different for us, but uh, I, I definitely appreciate it. You know, preparing for this episode, I definitely learned a lot of things about someone that I guess you can say I used to color as a kid during Black History Month. You know, they give you those <laughs> same pictures. Um, but I never really learned her story. And so what I'm committing myself to doing from here on out is to find some of these unsung heroes and really learn their stories. And so Danielle, you can be prepared. Uh, I'll be sending them to your inbox on the regular. I, I look forward to it. Actually. I think more and more, the more I dig into people, like black people and their history, I understand, I begin to understand that what I've been taught about them just barely breaches the surface of how 
amazing they are, how deep their contributions run. And for some people, just how problematic they were, but we've kind of like brushed over that. I think that we definitely need to take time and dig into these people that, you know, are inspirations to so many others and continue to be inspirations dead or alive. And, you know, Donald Trump's case, but I think that's, that's incredibly important. So I look forward to, to those inboxes. Yeah. And, you know, Next week, I'd like for us to explore someone else if possible. That works. Um, so, listeners, give us some recommendations of someone that you all would like to learn more about. We'd love to. We'd love to hear it. And I feel like this week we kind of ate in a different kind of way. You know what I mean? There weren't too many issues that arose. But something that I want to say is if you feel as if the education that you've received about anyone but you know black history month do it for the culture about black people is not suitable i encourage we all have google look educate yourself i mean so like so many people that we idolize today were self-educated i think we need to start doing a better job of educating ourselves but then also since education's on that state and local level going to your local school board going to your state education department and demanding that these things be taught on a deeper level. It, it's just, it, it is what it is. I, I, I mean, I walked the talk. I rewrote the African-American history curriculum for my school district, what, two years ago? Because it was subpar. And now that's something that's being taught in schools because I saw a need for it. So if you see a need for it, step up. Let's make some change happen. Be the change. So, thank you all for listening. Share and subscribe. Give it to a friend. Subscribe and share. Come again next week and uh, bring a friend with you. (laughs) Thanks for listening, y'all.